This episode originally aired around June 2017, so the info is not current. Go support some other great independent, listener-supported podcasts that bring unique, important, and engaging programs to the public. Women in Archaeology. Yes, they're independent, so update your podcast feeds and make sure you're subscribed to the correct one. Archie Fantasies. The Mythbusters of Archaeology have gone indie. And as always, curiosity and focus. If you're curious about anything, this podcast is for you. Listen for more episodes from the archives as I work my way back in time until all 29 of the back catalog shows are back out there. New Go Dig a Hole episodes are coming in June 2018, so stay tuned. Welcome to the 24th episode of the Go Dig a Hole podcast. Uh, I'm coming from Vancouver, Canada. I'm at the SAAs and I've got Daniel Kwan from the Curiosity and Focus podcast here with me. He's also at the conference. So uh, Daniel, thanks for joining me here. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, so your podcast is awesome. And Thank you. We'll, we'll get around to that. But You sent me a very touching message about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, was super, I might have teared up a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember if I had mentioned uh, that I listened to most of your episodes. So, like, you've been while you dig. Yeah, you've been yeah. podcasting since November, and I was in uh, rural Arkansas on a project in January, and I listened to all of your episodes up to January. Oh, nice! While I was hiking around, it was like forest. eleven episodes. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of time in the woods by myself. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you got yeah. something out of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so let's let's hear a little bit about your background. You're a PhD student right now at University of Toronto. Yeah, so so I passed my thesis proposal event, so I'm technically a PhD candidate now. Congrats! Um, I guess whatever that means. <laughs> um, so I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Toronto, and I'm an educator at the Royal Ontario Museum. And nice. of course, I, I host the Curiosity and Focus podcast. Yeah. Those are kind of like the three main things that I do. Very cool. Yeah. So tell me about your research. Uh, so I work in the lower Yangtze River Valley in China, uh, studying the Shanshan culture. Uh-huh. So like um, like a like a early Holocene culture between about 11,400 and 8,400 calibrated BP. Nice. Uh, and what we believe is that they're the first people to start farming rice in the world. Wow, um, and they make they they made not make because they're gone, but they made the first fine ware in all of China, and perhaps the first organic timbered pottery in the world. And at the moment, I'm the only person studying the pottery. Wow, I, that I know of. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. It sounds like the culture is. Uh really neat to study because of all the innovations that they're doing. It's easy to get grants. There's a lot of like, first this, first that, (laughs) never been done before. Uh, But there's not a lot to work off of. So doing a PhD project off of it has been kind of difficult. Gotcha. Because I have nothing to work off of. And I I feel like as if I'm doing like almost like a classical archaeology project because I'm describing the ceramic tradition and I'm not going into a lot of, you know, extreme detail or yeah. about one specific thing because nobody's documented this before. And if I wanted to look at something very specific, I have to do all the background information first. Yeah. Uh, so it's been, uh, half of it has been a photogrammetry project. Nice. And then the other half has been like thin section photography. 
and that's what I'm presenting at the conference. Very cool. So yeah, that's what I do in China. Before that, I, I worked in Jordan for a couple of years. Nice. And I did a master's on uh, the Jomon in Japan. Nice. I've kind of been all over the place. <laughs> so what kinds of lines of information, like what kind of data, aside from the, the ceramic remains that you're looking at, mm-hmm. um, what kind of data are you gathering to look at the origins of rice? So I, I personally am only collecting ceramic data. Mm-hmm. Um, we There's a specialist in Stanford who's working on the stone tools. Nice. Um, I'm also involved in the uh, like residue analysis right now, just because I'm the only person with the pottery. Yeah. Um, presenting that at the conference as well. Um, so we're looking at stone tools, pots, residues, and trying to get archaeobotanical remains, mm-hmm. um, but they're like, very, very rare. They're really hard to come by for some reason at these sites. There were like 20 sites. Yeah. And we found like very few rice grains. And the only organics that we find are actually embedded inside pottery as timbers. So mm-hmm. that's why the potteries become so important. Gotcha. Um, so those are the kind of the main lines of evidence we're working with. We have no human remains and no faunal uh, that we know of. And there is a bit of a disconnect between, you know, working with the local Chinese archaeologists mm-hmm. and us coming over. Yeah. Um, but as far as we know, the soils are far too acidic. And anything really organic that isn't carbonized is just gone. Wow. Yeah. So it's we're working in like a contextual deficit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Sounds pretty challenging. Yeah, but I, I guess that's what makes it worthwhile. Yeah. A lot of uh, puzzles to figure out. Yes. Nice. Yes. It's just all about like hypothesis generating. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm not going to come up with any grand conclusions after this project. I'm laying the foundation for future scholars. Nice. So I, I feel like archaeologically i've taken like a step backwards into like the 50s when people are discovering things <laughs> and, and i'm setting all of this up for other people to yeah. come but i'm okay with that yeah i'm okay with that because you know i i to be honest at the graduate level i'd rather be a generalist far far i'm far happier being a generalist than a specialist because i think in career-wise it's a better move that is really good advice and i was talking about that same uh that same bit of advice on the CRM archaeology podcast yeah. uh, that just came out. But when I was in grad school, uh, my advisor told me not to specialize so much on a particular time and culture because that would pigeonhole me. And so he, he had faced that himself. It was, uh, his name is Jonathan Hawes and uh, he works in, on the paleolithic in Europe, very specific in Portugal. And so like, his study area is like incredibly specific. It's like Paleolithic in central Portugal, like mostly like coastal central Portugal. Too. Okay, and so very limited geographic. Yeah, and so he was telling me about like you know because I was like, what do I do for a career if I do this? Like, how is my career path going to shape out? Yeah, and he was like, he said that his advice was, don't focus uh, so much on like middle to lower paleolithic in portugal focus on the skills focus on the, the technology and the methodology that, yeah. you're, that you're using and then you can move that anywhere you want to in the yeah world. that's exactly what i'm doing yeah i specialize in this technique and I, I like pottery in general as a whole like i don't just like to study it i also like to make it yeah um and so like yeah it's it's good to be a generalist so you like career-wise it opens you up to many other things like i personally also don't have an interest in working in the academy yeah. Um, and I guess that's something we'll talk about today. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just, I feel like, you know, we, we produce such highly specialized research and such highly specific conclusions. Mm-hmm. 
that aren't going to really touch that many people. Yeah. Um, I wrote on, uh, I published a paper recently with my brother on like a public engagement and photogrammetry in China. And I think like in my entire lifetime, fewer people are going to read that than will listen to my podcast. Yeah. I think my podcast, we have like nearly a thousand subscribers and that's already more people than are going to read my paper. <laughs> that's kind of like disheartening if you think about it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just a symptom of academia and uh, a sign that we as scholars need to be moving in a new direction. Definitely. And, and I think that's why like, like go dig a hole and like the entire archaeological po- like podcast network is super important because if we have all these scholars who specialize in research, but suck at teaching or can't communicate the importance of the past yeah. and what we do, then we as you know, professionals won't, won't have jobs. Yeah, like, it's important to make sure people learn about archaeology and why it's important to look back rather than just forward. That is that is a really good <laughs> point. Thanks for that about go dig a hole and APN. No, it's it's important, and I, like, we were talking in the car about like how like you know it's hard to get sponsors. Yeah. Um, so anybody who listens, sponsor us. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, it's hard to get sponsors because it's hard to it's hard for people who aren't in our discipline to see why it's important. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, oh, what's the point of studying people 11,000 years ago? Well, well, for me, it's a matter of like preserving China's like cultural heritage mm-hmm. because it's a country that is expanding at an exponential rate. Yeah. Um, rice is important to, you know, all people and diet all has the world. all yeah. over the world. And diet has a really important like effect on how we conduct our lives. So if we can learn more about that in the past and apply it to the present, maybe we can figure out, you know, I don't even know what we could figure out, but maybe we could yeah. like, solve some of the problems that are facing us presently by learning lessons from the past. Yeah. But that's just like, that feels like a big reach. Yeah. It feels like you're, you're taking something that's like very obscure and trying to apply it to something in the present. Yeah. Because there's so many unknowns and, and there are unknown unknowns, if that makes sense. You yeah. Know, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, so you're like reaching into the dark and like, there's so much that we don't know about rice. And it kind of makes me think about, so like, one of my one of my things that I love to watch on TV is like all the cooking documentaries. Oh on yeah, Netflix. So like Chef's Table and like Cooked and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, all the Michael Pollan stuff. I just I I honestly I just want to be Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, I that's I, simply, I think that's the life I want. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they make all these groundbreaking discoveries on bread and uh, the healthfulness of bread. Yep. And, and they go back and look at ancient grains and stuff, and they're like, oh wow, actually like we can make bread that is perfectly healthy out of these ancient grains that don't uh, harmfully affect people with gluten intolerance. Yeah. Stuff like that. So it's like gluten-free bread. That's yeah, but, like but we're learning from the past. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. Or like ancient cooking. We're like, you know, I mean, rice is so important to China. Yeah. Like it would be silly not to. Yeah. It'd be really silly not to like <laughs> look into why it became important or, you know, where it came from, this like <clears throat> national treasure of a, of yeah. a food stuff. Definitely. Right. I, I think like, but it, but it takes like a really aware mind to realize that because there are so many people who, who do archaeology and, and it's okay to be passionate about something. I mean, to be honest, like we should encourage that. Yeah. But there are people who are so passionate about their research but aren't very good at communicating it mm-hmm. or are so passionate about the research, but 
don't try to communicate it or don't try to take skills that they've gotten at the university and pass them on to somebody else. Yeah. And, uh, I, and you know, there's nothing wrong with being content in, in you know, your place in the university. Um, but I think, mm. like, you and I are very similar and everybody else and, you know, yeah. APN are, are thinking, like, well, we have all these skills. Why don't we teach it to a broader audience? Yeah. Why don't, you know, I feel, like, responsible. Like, I feel like it's my duty to be, like, I have these skills. I have this ability to do research and to come to conclusions in an informed manner. Yeah. And I've, you know, been, you know, very, very lucky to have had the opportunity to travel all around the world in search of answers and in search of new experiences, I feel like I would be letting down the other half of my life by not sharing that with them. Yeah. Like, yeah, the university gets and the museum, they get what, what I find. Yeah. Right. But then all these experiences are just mine and I feel like you, we should share that with people. Yeah. I don't know if that's overly sentimental or not. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. And back to the point that you had made about uh, how you feel a certain, uh, I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but it, it's just the first one that comes to mind about you know, how few people might read your published articles and how in academia, the published articles are the highest priority you know mm -hmm. they say publish or perish and it would be interesting to see podcasting seen as a form of publishing and it would be interesting to see yeah more and more rigorous academic stuff being um you know disseminated through podcasts and i think that's a, a part of it is like the old guard yeah you have the old guard who are like no the, the paper is what's key podcast how do i stream uh, like, that on what, my what's, phone? what's what's a podcast right <laughs> yeah. and like you know i've i've had people in my career who have said stop doing all this stuff stop doing youtube yeah. stop doing podcasting quit your job at the museum so you can just focus on your phd and you can make money after yeah it's never about the money no, it's never about the money. Yeah, you know, obviously everybody wants to have more money, and I honestly just want to live comfortably. Yeah, and teach people. Um, but many, yeah, <laughs> how many academic papers have been published that talk about just the frustration among archaeologists of getting it out to the public? How they feel like they're they're just howling into the void, and how I think that's the case with that every discipline, though. Yeah, and I think but particularly there's a great irony in publishing something like that in an academic journal that will then not be read by anyone outside of archaeology it's, it's a very uh insular community yeah. it's almost like a cult <laughs> it's, it's almost yeah. like i mean like i mean science is a religion yeah and, and whether or not you you think archaeology is a science is up to you it's a mode of explaining human existence yeah i mean there are there, there are archaeologists there are archaeologists will say like yeah i'm a scientist um, because, you know, I use these scientific techniques yeah. and I employ the scientific method. Uh, but then there are archaeologists who say, no, I'm an art historian. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of inconsistencies in the <laughs> discipline. And then that's what makes it cool. Yeah. Um, but the problem with that is like, we all get entrenched into our own ideas of what the discipline is and what we as professionals in it have to be. Yeah. I feel like every archaeologist kind of struggles with the fact that you know the general public might not see us as you know legitimate professionals yeah people either think that we dig up dinosaurs <laughs> uh, which is like not true yeah. obviously as cool as dinosaurs are if i was good at math i would probably be a paleontologist yeah but I'm not um either think that you know we do that or think that like what we do is worthless 
So we're constantly worried about like the legitimacy of our field and that you know we have to prove to the public that we are professionals and that we are legit. Yeah. And a part of that is like, look, we published all this stuff. You know, we have a, a, this big hierarchy within our discipline, and you know, people don't stray from that. If people stray from that, they're not a part of our group. Yeah. And that's how I feel about academia. It has its place, and it might not just be for me. Yeah. So speaking of straying from things, I guess this is a this is a shift in, in topics. Yeah, of. giving you that segue. <laughs> yeah, uh, about your podcast, Curiosity and Focus. Yeah, the thing that is fascinating to me, and the thing that I really enjoy about it, is that you often do deal with uh, topics relating to archaeology. But you also often don't like. It's not just about archaeology. It's about all yeah. the things that like, you're curious about, and so it's all the things you're into, and, and it forays into like the the last one I listened to was about uh, beer. And, oh yeah, that's great. And uh, you know, there's a lot about video games and sci-fi and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, so, tell me about like w- what it's been like so far, because like you're you're still relatively like early into this thing. So I feel like it's. It, it could very well take a different direction in the future. Totally good. But I think that that's kind of the nature of the beast, you know? Like, you've set it up so that it can have the flexibility to do that. So, yeah. What's it like to do that? I mean, it was, it was all, it was kind of in the strategy. Um, so, I'm the, I mean, like, everybody says this, but, like, like I, I got diagnosed with ADD uh, second year into my master's. So, that would have been, like, five years ago. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm unmedicated mm-hmm. um, by choice. And one of the ways that I cope is having several different projects on the go. Yeah. So, you know, I'm working on my thesis. I have the podcast. I have the YouTube channel. I have my social media. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm writing, like, a fantasy book. Nice. Uh, with my writing partners. We're writing, like, a, like a campaign setting uh-huh. for D&D. And I teach at the Rollentaire Museum. And so I have all these different projects. And whenever I lose focus on one thing, instead of losing focus and then wasting time before I get back to that, I just move on to another project. And so I, I get everything done. Yeah. Um, because of like, I'm working my thesis. Oh, I'm losing focus. I move on to something else. And then it eventually all circles back and I get everything done. Yeah. Because I'm constantly working. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, yeah, because I'm constantly working. We really are quite similar. Uh, yeah. I've never been diagnosed with ADD, but my fiance, she, she calls it burning the candle at both ends. Like, I'm always... I. I'm always working on something and I've just got a million projects going at once. Do you feel guilty when you're not doing anything? Yeah. 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 So like, I I feel bad doing that. Like I, I find that even with the podcasting, when I do take a break and I'm playing, like I'm really into Overwatch right now. Yeah. So like I'm playing Overwatch with my friends. I feel like I'm interviewing them when I'm talking (laughs) online Yeah. or, or like, um, I'm like, I'm always trying to do something to improve Daniel Kwan. Yeah, I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm just trying to be the best version of me. And the best version of me is somebody who's doing tons of things. Yeah. And so curiosity and focus is kind of my way of being a more well-rounded person. Again, it kind of goes back to that thing that I said about academia where we're so highly specialized. Yeah. We kind of forget about what's around us. Uh, in the you know, BBC Sherlock, I think in season two, they, he kind of realizes that he's like, I think he doesn't know that the earth revolves around the sun <laughs> and they're like, but you're this genius. Why, why don't you know that? He's like, well, cause I don't need to know that. Yeah. Right. Because he just does his thing. And in academia, you know, we know our thing. Yeah. And we get out of academia and maybe we don't get that job. And what are you left with? 
no. Yeah. You're left with this very highly specialized career and this degree where you could do this one thing. And maybe you're lucky and you had a great advisor like you did. And I have a great advisor who says, you know, specialize in the technique yeah. and the technology and not the culture and the region. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, careers open up for you. But we do, we spend like five, six years doing a PhD or one or two years doing a master's. And we only learn one thing. We learn one thing in five yeah. years. How, how sad is that? Yeah. If you only learn one thing. And so I thought like, no, I, I like... I want to learn more about everything. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to, I have a passion for education and if I want to be a good educator, mm -hmm. I need to be well-rounded. And so my students, I teach um, a class called Dungeons and Dragons and a, a couple other things at the Royal Ontario Museum. And I basically use D and D and tabletop role-playing games as a way to teach kids history, science, creative writing, and social skills. That is so cool. Uh, and I've been teaching that since 2011 and I've been working at the museum since 2005. Nice. Um, and, I, I, and, you know, my students, the age group that I teach is 10 to 14. And I have a very high return rate. So much so that, like, I'm basically helping these kids turn into adults. Yeah. And they're with me for five years. Four years, five years. Yeah. And I never repeat a lesson in four or five years. And I wow. teach them, like, every Saturday and then all March break and then for, like, five weeks during the summer. And I never repeat a lesson. But in order to be that versatile of an educator... And, you know, adapt to the needs of my students, I have to be willing to learn about other things that aren't archaeology. Yeah. And so, like, I'll, like, randomly start learning about things. I'll, I'll just go and pick up a book. I went to the library once a couple of years ago and picked up a book, and it was just called The Toothpick. And it was on the history of the toothpick. It was nice. profoundly boring, <laughs> but I tried to read it. Like, I'm interested in food. So I just read a book on the history of pizza. Nice. Um, because I want to do a podcast on pizza. I have to find the right person, though. Yeah. But, like... Curiosity focus, it kind of represents, you know, my thirst for learning about everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's very humbling because, you know, we, we ascribe so much value to the letters that go behind our names. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm Daniel H. Kwan, BSC, MSC, then yeah. soon to be PhD. Oh, look at me, bow down to me. Yeah. Right? No, that, that's, that's not how the world should work because... Everybody has their own story. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own experiences. And we shouldn't let the, the letters behind our names or the institutions that we're affiliated with, you know, give us these egos and think that we're better than other people. Yeah. So starting Curiosity and Focus, specifically the podcast, is a way for me to stay humble and to realize that everybody has something to teach you. Yeah. And so, you know, the show isn't about me. It's about the guests. I don't think... I, I don't plan on doing any solo episodes where I just talk yeah. because I don't, that's not what I want. I want somebody to share with me. Um, so I can't talk about myself for an hour. Like, I think I, think I, I, think I, I could, but it. I would feel weird it, yeah, it or would. I would rant about something else that wasn't me. Yeah. Um, so that's what curiosity focuses is just you know, learning from the world around you, which is how I, I feel all well-rounded human beings should be. Yeah. You know, we should be open to new experiences. Uh, we should be, you know, open to other political like perspectives. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we're very lucky because as archaeologists, we're trained as anthropologists. Right. And so we're qualified enough to do this. And of course, curiosity and focus is so, is so broad and educational that as from a business perspective, I think I could grow it into something that people would want to invest in. Yeah. Right. Because not every episode of curiosity and focus is for you're not going to want to listen to every single one. 
Mm-hmm. But you know that there's enough variety that you're going to want to stay tuned for the episode that might, you know, yeah. catch you. Uh, and, you know, if people want to sponsor the series, it's not something highly specialized. Mm-hmm. So it could open myself up to, you know, contracts with other companies. So it was kind of curiosity and focus. It was like an educational move and a business move. That is really well thought out. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, like, I, I originally Curiosity and Focus was a blog that I have with my brother. It uh-huh. still exists. It's Curiosity and Focus on Tumblr. And it's just like where we sent all of, we both collectively sent our Instagram feeds to one blog. And that nice. was it. And it was just like two brothers traveling around, sharing cool stuff. And then, but Curiosity and Focus sounds really cool. Uh-huh. And so I was like, let's, let's turn that into a podcast. Nice. And then we argued over the title, which had a curse word in it. Yeah. And then I recently changed it up. <laughs> but no, it's it was a business move and, uh, you know, intentionally ambiguous mm-hmm. to make sure I was still learning and not just talking about archaeology. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I just I didn't want to have an archaeology podcast because you guys are doing that. And, you know, like, I didn't want to be direct competition. You know, I, I didn't want to like step in on your yeah. turf. I, you know, I want to do my own thing. Yeah. It's funny because there are times when some of the other series on the Archaeology Podcast Network will talk about something that I feel like is in my wheelhouse. Right. But then I'm like, whatever. They've got their own perspective on it. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, CRM, Archaeology Podcast can talk about, you know, a career in CRM or women in archaeology can talk about you know, like discrimination or yeah. like they've, they've got one coming out shortly about, um, maintaining long distance relationships. Things oh, that I are, wish I had listened to that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. That could have come years ago. Uh, no, but yeah. Uh, you know, things that are important, but they all bring their own perspective. And, right. and so I, I think it's just really neat that even though we're all archeologists talking about archeology, span we somehow find ways to bring our own perspective to things. Yeah. Um, but back to just talking about all the things that interest you, I think that there's something really uh, valuable about that that people can pull away and apply to their own lives. And, you know, I did that too when I was in grad school. I wrote for a music blog. Oh, cool. While I was in, uh, and it's now defunct. It used to be called Backseat Sandbar. And we, we closed the site down after a oh. while just because life happened but it's still in your portfolio yeah we moved on you know some of us had kids got married stuff like that yeah Uh, and uh but it helped me to have an outlet like a release that was not my thesis yes and i loved like and it also subsidized a lot of my entertainment budget because bands (laughs) would like want me to come write about their show yeah. <laughs> and they would be like because uh, Louisville Kentucky you know it's, it's like the music scene is very it's great it's awesome but it's also very uh, insulated and, and kind of small right. so it's like everybody knows everybody and once a few of the bands were like oh hey you're writing about our, our music I'll just put you on the guest list come, come for a oh, sounds awesome <laughs> like, cool and then be like Hey, you wrote a really nice article about uh, our new album. Here's a beer, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" So now I've got like beer and entertainment subsidized. Yeah, I'm, why not? I'm a broke grad student. Let's do this. So yeah, you take take from wherever you can get. Yeah, and so you know, I got to listen to cool music and go out and have fun, which is something that like you know, like as it's that's a, a dream. That's a dream. Yeah, yeah. You feel guilty for doing that, but it helped me like sharpen my writing because I was just writing nonstop. About something that was fun to me. 
And so then I could take that just energy and practice, just like letting the words pour out and then go and put it onto my thesis, which right. became less and less fun over time. Yeah, I had a feeling. I started off loving what I was writing about, and then by the end of it, I was like, I, I never want to think about this again. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of gives you, it, give, it lets you experience the good life. Yeah. It lets you experience what it feels like to be truly passionate about a project that you've started, that you have complete control over. Yeah. And once you feel that, everything else changes. Yeah. Everything else completely changes. Uh, and like you said earlier, skills. it also makes you well-rounded. It does. And I think it's good for people to find a work-life balance, no matter what they're doing. And also to like, just make room to be interested in things. Yeah. To be inspired and feel passion for anything, even if it's not, you know, what your job is. Yeah. There's times when I feel weird, you know, if I meet a stranger and they're like, the question is always, what do you do? And I have, I feel weird answering that a lot of times because right. I'm like, I guess archaeology, but I also do a lot more. Like, yeah. I have a hard time saying I'm an archaeologist because... Because that's like, not your entire identity. Right. There's so many other things I do. Like, I ride a bike. I, I cook. Yeah. You know, I go hiking a lot and stuff like that. It's like, what do I do? I, I don't know. Where do I start? Where do I start? How much time do you have? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do all the things. I, I have that, that problem, too, when I think of, like, okay, what are the things that I do? Well, I, I think on all my social media, I say archaeologist, podcaster, and educator. Yeah. Those are, like, the three things that, that I do. But I never want to, like, be like, well, that's my identity. Yeah. I, I just do that because what happens when I'm not doing archaeology anymore? Yeah. And it's hard enough to explain what archaeology is to someone, uh, like you had said at the very beginning, like, we're not digging up dinosaurs, but no, it's so true. difficult to explain what archaeology is, especially when the mode of practicing archaeology changes, you know, even for you and even for me. It's like yeah. throughout the year, it's like right now my mode of doing archaeology is building the Codify app. And, you know, building an app and it's like, it doesn't feel like archaeology. And then, you know, podcasting often doesn't feel like archaeology. No, <laughs> uh, but then, you know, in the summers I go to Central America and work on Maya sites and I'm like, well, that feels like archaeology. Yeah. So, you, you get your, you get your taste of archaeology, <laughs> yeah. quote unquote, you know, a couple, couple months a year. Yeah. That's the media friendly. Like, here's a picture from my Instagram feed. This looks like archaeology. Yeah. This out. Well, you posted a picture recently and, and it's just like, is that you? You're sitting in like this like stony alcove. Yeah. It was a, it was it's a, a really grainy picture. It's, it's old. Yeah. yeah. It was a throwback Thursday post from 2007 when I was sitting on top of a tomb and what had happened was we were excavating this this uh, temple structure and it had not been excavated before so it was totally overgrown and covered with soil yeah and there was there were trees all over it and so there was this massive tree on the top of the temple summit we were excavating on the summit and we we had done a little bit to weaken the roots mm -hmm. excavating around it but then uh, we were also excavating just kind of like a big chunk of the facade on the front of the, the structure just to expose it to get an idea of what the architecture would look like. Yeah. So we had exposed this big kind of blocky outcrop that comes out and normally tombs are in there. So we had a good idea of, of what would be in there. Right. But it wasn't in our goal for that field season to get into the tomb. 
He's prepping. Yeah. So a really bad storm rolled in, uh, and the tree, the massive tree that was on the summit of the temple, fell over and just skidded down the front of the temple and punched straight through the tomb. Oh, my. And so we had to just do a rapid salvage uh, excavation on it. Right. Get the, get the skeleton Is this out. in Mesoamerica? Yeah, it was okay. in uh, Belize. And, oh, wow. uh, so it was really cool. And, like, we had to dig our butts off because we had to work as fast as we yeah. could to get the human remains out of there because they were exposed so to the elements. elements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that, that picture on the Instagram was, like, that was the moment, I think, and I just happened to see it in, like, the Facebook memories. It yeah. was like, you might like this memory. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the moment that I fell in love with archaeology. Right. I was having to work my butt off, but also learning all of these cool new skills and stuff Yeah, like and that. you're experiencing new things. Yeah. I actually, I had a similar thing. When I was pulling it up on my phone. This came up in my Facebook memories. <sighs> yes! <laughs> yes! So I'm going to put that up. I'll probably put that up tomorrow on my Instagram. Yeah. And so for the audience, it's, uh, it's a photo of me in 2011. I'm in Jordan on the rooftop, and I have this nasty-ass mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I, don't, I don't do facial hair. And, like, I, I grew that out because we had this thing on, like, sinus. Like, all the dudes would just, like, grow up their facial hair. Yeah. And I'm the only Asian guy, so, like, I'm obviously going to lose. <laughs> and towards the end, I had, like, this, like, nasty upper lip, and I shaved everything else off. Yeah. And then I, like, I filled it in with mascara. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, it looks really thick. No, it's, it's like, picture. it's thicker than the one you're currently, like, rocking. Yeah. Like, yours is all natural, so I, like, I had to fill it in. <laughs> and it, like, I was like, oh, man. But that's when I also, like, when, I think every archaeologist discovers that they want to be involved in archaeology in some yeah. way when they're in the field. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever in the lab. <laughs> not, not that I know of. Yeah. Like, I, like, everybody who I've met being in the field is is like a do or die moment. Yeah. Like I've met, I've gone. I was a like a TA on a dig in Jordan. Mm-hmm. So I was there as a student, and then I spent two years uh, like supervising undergraduates and teaching them illustration. Nice. Um, and you'd see so many people come in who are like really really enthusiastic about archaeology, but then it just breaks them. Yeah. Like being in the field is tough. And, yeah. You know. A part of archaeology is manual labor, mm-hmm. and a part of archaeology is also checking your ego. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'd see students who, like, come in, ready to do archaeology, and come out just like, I'm done with it. Yeah. And we see people who come in, and there's like, they're apprehensive about it, and just fall in love with it. Yeah. Um, and, you no, know, being in the field is very important, but uh, most people think that's all we do. Yeah. Yeah, and th- that's why your podcast is important. <laughs> <laughs> so what got you into podcasting in the first place? Chris Webster. Yeah. Uh, it, it was funny. It was, uh, I forget who was listening to it, but I, for a long time, I was pretty resistant to, uh, it, so Chris Webster is actually looking through the glass door of the, the kitchen right now. It's Airbnb. He's watching over us. Now, uh, someone I worked with listened to the Archaeology Podcast Network and they listened to the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Yeah. And for a long time, I just was not interested in podcasts at all. I was like, I don't really care. I don't want to listen to somebody talk for an hour. And uh, so I listened to some episodes of the CRM Archaeology Podcast in the work truck while we would drive out on CRM projects from from the office to the work, the project area. And I was like, 
this is really cool. And then he, I started following him on Twitter and I, I was following like John Lowe on Twitter and kind of yeah, got Yeah, John Lowe's got it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I ended up uh, meeting up with him on my recent cross country trip oh, in, cool. in Austin, Texas. Yeah, he's, that's super nice. He's super awesome. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up getting into archaeology Twitter and, you know, found like a digital community there and I was really impressed That's with how this. we met. Yeah. <laughs> and it was right before the SAAs. I forget which year it was. 2013, maybe, in Austin, in Texas. Austin, yeah. Um, and then there was, like, a Twitter meetup at the at the Austin right. SAA. And so I got in there, and it, somebody there, it might have been Chris, it might have been uh, Stephen Wagner, said, you should do a profile in CRM. And I was like, okay, sure. And it was interesting timing because everything was up in the air for me when I recorded that episode. Right. Like, I was about to graduate. I was, like, a month away from receiving my master's thesis, or receiving my diploma. Yeah. And I was working as a CRM, like, project manager at one firm, and I was being, like, poached by another one okay that wanted me to leave the other firm and go to the other and i was like i don't know everything is up in the air and the thing about crm work is you always hear oh we've got plenty of work coming down the pipeline and it's just a matter of time and so i ended up like leaving the one job for the promise of the other and i was like sitting in limbo oh shit Sorry. So it was just a weird time for me because right. I went from like a lot of excitement and energy, like oh man, I have a master's now. I'm about to leave this job for something that sounds awesome. My life is moving forward, and then I was like, well, here I am, just twiddling my thumbs, and uh, I'm going to pick up uh, a side job working at a bar, and. It, it was just like a, a funny time for me to get into it. And so I had enough downtime though and like built a good rapport with Chris Webster. Yeah. He pulled me onto the CRM archaeology podcast for a few episodes and then I became like a semi-regular guest. Now you're just like on it. Yeah. And so now, you know, fast forward, how many years forward now? Like four years now? No. Three or four, whatever. Time's irrelevant. Um, I'm the editor for most of the shows on yeah. the Archaeology Podcast Network, and now I actually listen to other podcasts, and it's just kind you of... Just, you just yeah. got a dream job. You got a dream yeah. job. <laughs> Life goes on, and you know now I'm listening to podcasts and editing them and, and making podcasts. And it's fun. And That's cool. Yeah. But I didn't plan any of it. I just kind of like stumbled into all of it. So were, so were you trained in like any audio before you started? Uh, not really. I had played in bands when I was younger, and I never really had an active part in recording any of the music. Right. So I, I just kind of had this like loose understanding of how recording stuff works, and I just knew like general rule of thumb is it's going to take you triple the time to edit something as it does to record it. So like an hour long podcast generally takes. Yeah. three hours to edit yeah, I guess and so uh, you know I, I was just like okay well I've got the time uh, let's go into it yeah and, why not if yeah. you've got the time you might as well put it into something positive yeah it's it yeah now I feel kind of weird it's like when I when I record the podcasts I think 
I've put just as much time into editing as I do recording. I think my my but it comes off really clean and your it works for your your format too because your format is like you cover all of the topics, kind of like you were talking about. Like it's it's a well yeah, I guess podcast. do everything. So you roll around through topics, and then you kind of like roll back to the main theme, and like the main theme develops throughout the episode. And so it's really neat to see that happen. Yeah, I guess if you put it that way, yeah. Sometimes I'm lucky, and like a podcast takes almost no editing time. That's that's the thing. Like I, no, I, I'm like one of those people who I can like view my day as a movie. Like I, I think, to be honest, I think everybody should imagine their their life as like a documentary. Yeah. And then if you look back on it, you want to make sure that it was a good one. That's kind of how I yeah. approach it. I kind of think, okay, imagine <laughs> if there was a camera crew following me around every day. Yeah. Um, will the audience get something out of it, and will they think that I'm do, making the most of every day? Yeah. That's kind of how I picture it. But when I like recorded started podcasting I, I had no idea how to edit audio mm-hmm. i had no idea how to record audio um so i was like okay if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna have to record it in a way where i won't i will have to do minimal amounts of editing yeah and that's my philosophy for everything photography like, <laughs> yes all the stuff that i post on my instagram i don't edit yeah i just like i, I kind of just shoot it in a way that it will look good as is and i'll yeah. post it um because like I, I i don't know how to do it and it's not like I'm avoiding it. I just move through it at my own pace. And yeah. now that I'm like doing more podcasts and I kind of have a standard for myself, I think, okay, now I have to really learn how to edit this. Mm-hmm. And I'm slowly working through it. But I'm still using like Audacity. Yeah. I, well, that's a pretty useful program. And I think a lot of the hosts on APN use it too. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. It's easy. And I think the only service that I pay for is Talk Helper. What's that one do? It's, uh, it records Skype. Oh, nice. Yeah, it records Skype and it's really good. So I've done... I did the Hero Forge episode uh, about the 3D printed like miniatures yeah. uh, on Skype. That one took a lot of editing uh, just because like the audio, the, vo- the volume is so inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. I had to go through like the whole hour and, and edit that. And then mm-hmm. I did one in December about board games that I did using Talk Helper. Yeah. So I just bit the bullet and paid for it. Nice. So I'm like, I think for the podcast, I'm like $250 in the hole. And I've made $8. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean that's that's one of those things about podcasting too that that's weird because the the podcast that some of the other podcasts that I listen to like you had mentioned one of your favorites is Joe Rogan's podcast yeah. like these people are pulling in tens of thousands of dollars a month in ad revenue oh yeah and I think that's incredible uh, I would I would like anything but. To, to kind of harken back to one of the things you said earlier in this mm-hmm. in this episode is archaeologists struggle for legitimacy. Oh, yeah. And when you started podcasting and doing all the social media and stuff like that, you faced some backlash on that because people view it as an illegitimate media. You know? Oh, it's, no, It's totally. a waste of time. It's goofing off. Totally. It's uh, a lot of the people in my department were like, oh, Daniel's just doing so, a crazy thing again. Yeah. Like, I, I started a YouTube channel, Curiosity mm-hmm. Focus as well. Because I was really lonely. Yeah. Well, working in the field, not in my not in my Canada <laughs> life. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was, you know, I was living in China and I was uh, working in the field alone. I was living in this like apartment, this attic yeah. in rural China, and you know, I was working on my language skills. I'm not a native Chinese speaker, mm-hmm. and I basically was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to edit video. Yeah. So I'm going to make a vlog, 
And <laughs> it's like, I, by the end of it, I, I feel like I spent more time talking to my camera than I did people. Yeah. But I learned a new skill and I, and I realized that I had this passion for like communicating what I did. Yeah. That's kind of where it all started. The whole podcast idea started from YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, listening to other podcasts. And archaeology can be so isolating. It but is. about the outreach is, you know, like there are other podcasts out there that are just doing leaps and bounds of outreach on whatever the topic is. A lot of times yeah. it's not something that's necessarily going to like change people's lives, yeah. but it's fun to listen to. And they're making enough money to sustain the effort. But I think that the thing that people don't realize about podcasting is it takes so much effort and it does take like personal investment and sacrifice. And of like, course. Like, like all things worthwhile. Exactly. Yeah. Like all things worthwhile, you have to kind of put something into it to get anything meaningful out of it. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that is like a constant source of like frustration, but also motivation for the APN is we want people to invest in it because we have invested so much. Yeah. You, you want, I mean, you put effort into it and you'd like to get something back from that. Yeah. And like what you're doing is like very noble and you know, you should, you should be rewarded for it. Right. Yeah. If only the rest of the world thought the same thing. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing about archaeology is like we feel that about archaeology too. So it's like, hey, let's get people to sponsor podcasts so that we can also drum up support in the general public for archaeology, so that people can sponsor archaeology. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like we're trying to make this meaningful and not just howl into the void. But it's also a little bit more difficult for you guys because you have such a specific theme yeah yeah like sponsorship for an archaeology podcast is is i bet more difficult the, when you guys told me your numbers i i thought like oh 60,000 subscribers over 18 shows i mean that's good i was like and then my my next question to you guys was what are your sponsors and you guys are still figuring that out and i was like, super surprised yeah just because of the numbers that you're getting um but then it must also be hard for companies to be like, okay, it's an archaeology podcast. What can we sponsor? Yeah. Right? So, like, it, it, it's, it's got to be, like, the great courses, like we were talking yeah. about, or it's got to be, like, publishers or, or something related to archaeology. Yeah. And Like, I've reached out to forestry suppliers, and they won't even return my emails. I'm like, I, I've reached out to so many companies, yeah. and I, I've gotten, like, I've gotten close yeah, and they just drop me. Yeah, they just drop me. Like, and it's the same thing with guests. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm currently like working my way up, and I have long term goals as to who I want on the podcast. Uh, but I just gotta work my way up there. And for a long time, I really wanted to talk to the, the Toronto Police. Yeah, um, but they ignored my emails for months because of the name of my old my podcast before I changed it to Curiosity Focus. Gotcha. They thought I was trolling them, and then I changed the name, and I was like, "Hey, this is what I do," and they immediately returned my calls. Wow. They started talking to me and I was like, cool, let's like, like they were like, okay, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, okay, I'd like to talk about police brutality. I would like to talk about like non-lethal weaponry in the police. And in Toronto, our, like our pride parade, they've excluded the police, the pride parade. And I wanted to talk about that controversy. And they were like, sure, we'll like send you off to our media person. And then they dropped me completely uh, because I think the questions that I asked. Gotcha. Um, so like, it's hard. Like, so sponsors... Uh, like guests, like the like the nature of your podcast is like really determines what you want, and yeah. I mean especially if like the the APN and all the series on it are like passion projects, you're not going to want to take just any old sponsor. Mm-hmm. You want something that makes sense to your audience. 
Yeah, I would assume. Totally, and it, it is hard, and uh, like not just for the sponsors, but also to get guests because there's a lot of times when you know it, I get it too. You know, look looking from their perspective, if I'm reaching out to an academic, yeah, they're buried in work, and so for me to say, hey, I want you to carve out an hour of your day, and we're going to do a Skype call and I'm going to, I'm just going to record our call. So, so I guess you're trying to talk to like faculty members at universities and stuff. Usually. Yeah. I've purposefully avoided them. <laughs> yeah. Actively. I've, I've actively avoided them simply because I think they might be too entrenched in their views. Yeah. Um, I, I purposefully picked like young up and commerce who might not be the best expert but is somebody who's passionate enough that they want to try to innovate and do more. Yeah. So that's why specifically, at least to this point, mm-hmm. skipped faculty members at, at the university. Yeah. Also because I don't just do archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And every now and then I get, I get, um, you know, feedback so that it feels like I'm not howling into the void. And like recently, uh, or I, I guess at the time that we're recording this tomorrow, the episode of go dig a hole that airs, uh, Colin Omolinowski is a guy who, who emailed me. He's a listener. Okay. Recently graduated uh, with his bachelor's degree. Nice. And I was like, oh my God, Like you're exactly who I wanted to be listening to the show. You're exactly who I wanted you're, on the you're show. The, you're the demographic. Yeah, so I pulled him on in the show. And he then, like a couple weeks later, he emailed me again with like, more great ideas for a, a show topic. And I was like, come back on. Come yeah, back. Come yeah. on. That's, that's how it's been working with me. Like People are like, Oh, like why can't I be on your show? I'm like, you can. Let's yeah. just give me an idea. Let's yeah. let's let's talk about it. Um, I have a friend and he's an archaeologist and he keeps asking to be on the show and I told him we would do it. And then somebody in our office is on a team that discovered like one of the first like works of art. Like yeah. a Paleolithic archaeologist. I was like, Oh my god, you have to be on my show and he's just like, Well what about me? <laughs> and I'm like, Don't worry, don't worry. I'm like I'm like the more you produce and the more you reach out to to people, like the more people want to like yeah. provide stuff for you. Like some of my guests are like are like fans of the show. Yeah, uh, one of them is like love the show. I love to contribute. I was like, cool. Let's talk about what do you do? He's like, I'm an engineer. Let's talk about that. Nice, right? And I, I guess I have the luxury of it too, just because I can do any topic. Yeah, uh, for the most part. Yeah. Well, here recently. Uh, I've been reaching, I've, I've been thinking outside the box with uh, the show. And so I think I'm getting a little bit more flexibility with it. And so, you know, the, the show started off with the, the core theme of helping bridge the gap between undergraduate classrooms and careers and kind yeah. of help out early career researchers and early career archaeologists. And the more and more I got into like talking to other people, I was like, you know, everything kind of relates back to just like making life work. Yeah. And so, you know, like having you on the show, like you've got so many, like you've got all these little fires going, but they, you keep them all going. Oh yeah. You know? And and so that's something that I I found, like I related to that as soon as I realized that's what you do. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's how I that's how I get anything done. Yeah, it's like you it looks do like, lots of things. Yeah, it looks like total chaos to anybody else, but, no, but like, in my mind, it's, yeah, it's all in order. Focus, <laughs> perfectly focused. Yeah, always trying to work on the next thing. Yeah, 
And I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the latest arc that I've been taking the show on is to really reach outside. Yeah. And like I've, I've had, uh, you know, queer archaeologists, I've had African American archaeologists on, I've, I've had disabled archaeologists on. Uh, here soon, I'm hoping to get a PR professional Ooh, that'd on. Be good. And because I want to talk about like what exactly a personal brand is and also the gig economy, because that's those yeah. are things that we work with. It's not just creative. That would be the that. whole idea of doing a personal brand is so important to archaeologists. Like, I, I look at my department because that's my only point of reference. Yeah. And I think I don't know any. I know there were like, there's like one person in my department who has a lot of followers on social media, but from a career before archaeology. Yeah. Um, like one thing they don't teach you in graduate school is like, they tell you that like, you're going to get through this and then you're going to work in the university and you're going to stay there. Exactly. So you don't really need to focus on anything else. Yeah. But that's not the reality of, of the discipline. Yeah. Like people are going to go in very, very different directions. And to be successful in, you know, in some of these directions, you require a personal brand. Yeah. You require like to have, so you're required to have a social media presence. You know, how many graduate students or undergraduate students have a personal website? These, these are things that like will set you up for success. Yes. I wish I had known that when I was an undergrad, I think my life would have been in a very different direction. Yeah. Um, I've seen some like crazy stuff in the field before I was even recording anything. Yeah. Um, and now I wish I had even thought that was possible Mm -hmm. or thought that wasn't, you know, I don't want to say taboo. I thought that wasn't unacceptable to do. Yeah. Um, branding would be cool. I, I, I think lots of people would listen to that and get a lot from it. Yeah. Um, it's like, you need to have your brand. Yeah. You have to know how to market it. Like I saw that you do like stickers and stuff and I was Uh like, I got to do that too. Like I was like, I got, I got that from you. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's such a great idea because like, when I post a lot on social media, you see my laptop. I was like, well, there's that little curiosity focus thing here. Yeah. Um, so I've been like working on like, like logos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, so, so far it's like, dude, I like those. I, which one? I kind of like this one, but I, I don't know. I'd say, yeah, I'd say top left. Yeah. I like it. It's cool. Cause it, it makes me think of like the autofocus box. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be on a brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, like the the bottom left one makes me think of Westworld, like the the amazing. I watch it yet. I, I so I saw your idea of using stickers, and I was like, oh, that's a really great way to like give something to your guests first yeah. of all, which I which is something that I like struggle with. So like for me, it's like, oh, if you're an episode, if you're on an episode of my podcast, I'll, I'll pick you up and drive you home. <laughs> that's all I can offer you right now. Yeah. and I'll like I'll give you I'll give you alcohol and and the the first idea was like we were gonna have a share a pizza and do yeah. a podcast but then like the sound of chewing pizza yeah. is just like not attractive whatsoever so I ditched that so I'm like <laughs> we'll like we'll go like get a meal and we'll hang out but like I don't have anything tangible to give yet yeah. until I saw you you're doing the stickers and I was like oh, that's such a good idea so it's just a matter of like designing everything and getting it all done yeah but, and I didn't have like I don't have graphic design talent and so yeah, it still looks good though well, I had a I had a friend design that for me, and so oh, okay. I just I just told him like ideas. Yeah, and he was like, "I don't want you to draw anything. I I want you to just tell me ideas." Mm. And I was like, "Okay." And so I, I just told him trowel and hole ideas, and without telling him that I wanted a trowel digging a hole. Yeah, 
he was like, so what, what, like, what is the one item that defines an archaeologist? And I was like, well, I guess it would be a trowel. And he was like, so you know how chefs get either a whisk or a spoon tattooed on their forearm? Yeah. Would you, would an archaeologist do that? And I was like, yeah, I would get a yeah, trowel. Yeah, I totally would. And I was like, yeah, I would totally get a trowel tattooed on my forearm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do it in like those old, like, uh, those vintage dagger tattoos, but I would yes. do it. I would do a trowel in that style. That would be so. Cool. And then on the blade of the trowel would be a design. Yeah, man. Oh. Maybe we're, maybe we're getting a new tattoo later on tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I can I can add some to my collection too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So all all of that's just to say, you can get useful lessons from anybody if that's what curiosity. And like is. you had mentioned earlier, if you're humble enough to learn, and if you're if it's not just to learn, opportunities. but it's also humble enough to ask. Yes. Because a lot of people are afraid of asking. Yeah. A lot of people think asking is a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that, you know, asking is the act of basically admitting defeat. And asking is the opposite of that. Yeah. Asking is trying to make yourself better. Asking is, you know, the first step in self-improvement. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that. Because people are friendly. That's yeah. That's humanity. Yeah, and that's part of our, our culture, I guess, especially Western culture, is to to present yourself as strong. Mm-hmm. And you have to be strong. You can't be vulnerable. Yeah. You can't cry. Yeah. Cry all the time. <laughs> cry all the time. All the time. I went to see Zootopia with a friend, and I bawled my eyes out. Oh man, because that's a great movie. Ah, uh, yeah, I. Zootopia was a, a tearjerker. Yeah, it was. I, I, and I think more people need to be like that in public. Yeah, and, and you know, say that it's okay to surrender to your vulnerabilities. Yeah, like to to ask for help. To be like, hey, I you know, I don't have this skill, but you do. Can you teach help me? me. Yeah. Teach me, so I can be better. Not so I can steal from you, but so I can you know learn from you. And you know, almost everybody loves that opportunity yeah. to just give that to somebody else. Yeah, because it, it's a it, it's a sign of respect. Showing yeah. respect by asking somebody to teach you something, it, it, you're you're showing them the ultimate sign of respect because you think that they're qualified enough and they know something well enough to teach it to you. Yeah, um, I think that it's, we're we're really lucky doing podcasting because we can reach you know people in so many ways. Like people. Yeah. Like everybody has to listen to the shows that we produce, but the, how fast they listen to them, how mm-hmm. many times they listen to them, what they do while they listen to them, like is totally up to them. Yeah. Because I, I think universities kind of want you to learn in one kind of way, mm-hmm. and but with podcasting and doing being like a social media presence, yeah, uh, or a personality means that like we get to be more flexible teachers. Yeah. Because there's no such thing as like a bad learner. There's only such a thing as like an inflexible teacher. Yeah. Right. And with podcasting, you, you leave yourself with the opportunity to be flexible and touch on different topics and try to improve yourself because as a podcaster, you're not a teacher, you're a learner. Yeah, right? definitely. And that's why I reach out to, you know, all the guests that I've had on is, uh, and it's amazing because through podcasting, I've been able to talk to people that I otherwise wouldn't have any excuse to talk to. Yeah. And I've learned some great things from them and learned great advice from them. And these are things that it's like, 
they have great advice for life and like what's gotten them to where they are that then other people get to hear too. Like it's yeah. not just a conversation between you and your guest. It's a conversation that everybody gets to hear. Yeah. It's a conversation between you and your guest that everybody else is privy to. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's what makes podcasts interesting because they're so personal. Yeah. It's not like a lecture. Yeah. Um, I, I actually don't like those podcasts when they're <laughs> lectures. I like to just hear yeah. a conversation because you know, conversations, you know, dip in and out of topic mm-hmm. and some you might like, some you might not. Yeah. But that's what's cool about it because you're always going to find something you like. Yeah. Yeah. That's what podcasts are neat. Yeah. And it's rare that I get to have like a face-to-face podcast. So whenever I do, like I, I love it because it's oh, so yeah. much fun to actually talk to a person. Oh, no. It's totally different. Like I think – how many uploads have I done? I, I started keeping a notebook because my, my brother, who's the creative producer of the show, is like – if you ever go to like a job interview that's related to media and they want to see your work, like your process, uh-huh. you should have a notebook. Huh. So, so I started keeping a notebook of like all like all the things that I wanted to do, and like you know, like I wrote a section on, on you, and I was like, okay, these, these are all right here. These are all the things that we're going to talk about. We'll record at SA twenty seventeen, and very cool. So this is what I've been doing, um, but like so I've released. Okay, well, so I've released over just about 25 things onto iTunes, uh, like 17 episodes mm-hmm. and three specials. So there's 20 total episodes. Cool. And I forget what it was. Oh my God, I forgot where I was going, for, going to. Oh, and I've recorded all of them in person, except for two. And recording them through Skype was such a different experience. Yeah. Because... You know, you don't get to like, you know, shake that person's hand or you don't get to just like have like a, a conversation feels so formal. Online. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Especially when you don't know the person, it's really difficult to get them to open up and really share like their process and their work and of their research. If, if it's just like a cold call and a lot of people aren't used to podcasting. Like when mm. I call them on, a lot of times that's their first time ever doing a podcast. And so yeah. they come in really nervous a lot of times. And so it's, it's a challenge to get people to feel comfortable with it. Right. And I don't know if I have any tips for that, but it's I don't know. Like I, to be honest, like I feel comfortable doing this. Yeah. I think it's because I just, I don't mind talking. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of like every now and then I'll go back and listen to the earlier episodes that I had done. And like the first few episodes, like, Legit suck. Oh, same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> same. <laughs> They're not good. But I mean, that's that's just a sign that you've improved. Yeah. And I also, like, through listening to other podcasts, now I've kind of changed the way I listen to it to where I listen to the way people host a podcast. Right. And I'm like, oh, these are little things. And so I end up borrowing a lot from, from other people. I feel like that's what everybody does. Like, I just added a new thing today when I record it yeah. and I added a new segment and so it, the segment's called I'm Feeling Curious and all I do is I go on Google and I type in I'm Feeling Curious and I get the first random fact that they give me and I kind of talk about that with the guest Yeah. and so today Paulina and I she was the first guest to get to do that segment awesome. and I searched I'm Feeling Curious and it came up with oh do whales have sweat glands <laughs> and it was like no but it was like this random thing but it relates to Vancouver because yeah. there's a blue whale skeleton here and you know the blue blue whale skeleton at the museum I work at back in Toronto and so like we kind of talked about that and then it kind of broke up the content 
Yeah. But I never thought of doing like a segment until I started listening to other podcasts that have them. Yeah. Uh, the one I really like is Anna Ferris is Unqualified. Uh-huh. It's like a relationship podcast. But it's... Do you know who Anna Ferris is? Uh-uh. She's... Uh, have you ever seen the, like, the scary, mo- scary movie? Yeah. She's... Yeah, she's in all of the scary movies. She's the, the blonde woman. Oh, no way. She's married to Chris Pratt. Uh, now I know who you're talking you about. Know what I'm yeah, talking. Yeah. yeah, she's hilarious. She's really funny. Yeah. And so she has this podcast where it's called Anna, Anna Ferris is Unqualified, and people call in and she gives them unqualified relationship advice. <laughs> and she always has a celebrity guest on every episode. Nice. Like Shaq and like Milo Ventimiglia. And, yeah. And like the cast of Parks and Recreation, and they like, they just talk yeah but like in the show she has these little segments and i was like oh man what if i did a segment related to my topic yeah so i kind of lifted that idea from her podcast nice um when i originally started i recorded the intro live with the uh with the guest uh-huh. and i felt like i wasn't you know because it was live i wasn't saying everything i should have i, I planned on saying yeah. or if i wrote it down it didn't feel organic so I started recording each episode just as a conversation. I'd be like, we're recording now just to let you know, and we'll just go. And nice. I find like an, a comedic or interesting starting point, and I'll start it there when I'm in editing. And I'll record the pre-roll after. And nice. so I'll just talk about like, okay, we, this is what we talked about. And, oh, do I, I have an appearance coming up? This is yeah. what I'm doing. Or, hey, this is my new project. Check it out. Yeah. Um, and so I, like, I took that from Joe Rogan because... He, re- he does everything live on YouTube. All of his podcasts go live on YouTube before they're on iTunes. Oh, wow. And he's got like like millions of downloads. He's, he's at the top of iTunes every every single week yeah. or day for podcasting. And he records, records pre-roll after for when it goes onto iTunes. And I thought that's a really smart idea. Yeah. Because you kind of get a feel for what the conversation was rather than like, okay, you know, we're going to be talking about podcasting. And then we don't. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, well, well, damn. Yeah. So I started doing that later. So it's good to like borrow from other people. Definitely. And it's not really like stealing because this is this is how to be a better conversationalist. Yeah. This is how to be a better journalist. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? Through experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like I have not listened to any of the early episodes of my podcast. Like, I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready. It hurts. Yeah. yeah I, I, oh, God. But, but I will. I yeah. will eventually. But yeah, I think like... The segments kind of break it. For me, I realized that after doing it today, I was like, we were also recorded the longest episode that I've done. It was an hour 40, and I wow. usually aim for an hour. And the segment kind of broke it up and gave us energy to keep going. And I had to stop it. We could have we gone on for hours. <laughs> um, but my goal is to eventually do two-hour episodes. Wow. Um, I, I say, and I say the series is bi-weekly, but it's been weekly <laughs> for like the past two months. Wow. But, That's a tough pace to keep up with. Yeah. I... I it certainly feels like it, but I just, sometimes there will be weeks when people are like, Hey, I want to be on the show. Um, like the, I did an episode with the, uh, Toronto comics anthology nice. and they came to me and they were like, Hey, uh, can we be on your show? We, we've got this Kickstarter and we want to promote our series. And I was like, absolutely. Like I'd love to. And like some of the guests that I had on the podcast previously mm-hmm. contributed to their comic. And so I was like, cool, absolutely. Like, just send me some of your books so I can just read out. They sent me, like, a box of comics. Wow. Uh, it was awesome because I love comics. Yeah. And I just read them all, had them on the podcast, and I, had, I hadn't planned on it whatsoever. And I had planned on taking that week off. 
but they were like, you know, we want to be on your show. And I was like, I can't turn them down. Yeah. So and that kept happening to me. And I just kept getting all of these episodes. So it ended up becoming weekly when I wanted it to be bi-weekly. Yeah. But I, I think that's just, you kind of have to go with the flow. Definitely. So what I've been saying is like, listeners, there will reliably be a bi-weekly episode, but sometimes it might go every week. Yeah. And there was one week when I did three episodes in a week. Just, just because. Nice. Because everybody wanted to be on it. Not because it's popular, but just because it just happened to be that week. Yeah. And yeah. it's like when it rains, it pours. Exactly. So I just kind of go in with it. Yeah. What, what I've been doing is I, uh, no matter what the, the, you know, pace of recording is, I end up sticking to the two weeks thing because a lot of times I end up with a backlog of episodes and I never know when. So like, for example, I was in Arkansas for almost two weeks. And I didn't expect this to happen, but I had almost no cell signal and no Wi-Fi Ooh. for almost two weeks. And that that just killed any chances of me getting anything done with podcasting. And it was so difficult to coordinate with people with those parameters and then not to mention working 10 hours in the field every day. Of course. I was like, nothing's getting done. No, it's so draining too. Yeah. So... It really helped to have a backlog, and then, you know, it's like, I leave for at least a month in the summer. You could schedule them all. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, if, if I have, like, three in the can, then I can go do something else for a month. Right. And then just pick up the pace when I come back, and it's like I never left off. So i got a question for you about that, then. Yeah. Um, well, you're obviously, you use a much nicer mic than, than I use, but... One of my fears in doing that is that if I improve on my editing or the audio quality of the podcast uh -huh. and I schedule in old episodes and the audio isn't as good, yeah. I'll have an inconsistent product. Yeah. That was my biggest fear. So that's why I started that sub-series called From the Archives. Yeah. That's why I did it. Nice. I did it because like I had all these episodes that were, had great content, but the audio wasn't as great. Yeah. So I kind of put them off a bit. But I still want to put them out, but I don't want it to like potentially impact the brand yeah. or what the audience expects. So I'm like, these are archived episodes yeah. because of the, you know, the old audio quality or whatnot. So I put them out that way. Nice. That's how I've been doing the same thing you're doing, but yeah. I'm just not as confident with my audio skills yet. <laughs> so I mean, I just created a whole new series yeah. within my That's series. That's really smart though, because then you don't lose the content. No, no, I don't lose the content. I, I've still got one more like archived episode. Some yeah. artificial intelligence. Ooh, nice. Um, I sound like super out of it because I was really tired yeah. when we were recording. But like, I've just been waiting for the right moment to do it. Uh -huh. I was going to put it out this Friday because Ghost in the Shell comes out. Nice. Um, and I thought like that would be a good theme. But then Paulina and I just recorded an episode on diversity in media culture. And I was like, well, that fits better. Yeah. So now this like artificial intelligence episode, which I recorded in January, still hasn't come out yet. But it's the only one that I have left in my backlog. Yeah. So I'm slowly getting through it all. But Very nice. I, I mean, like, everybody has to do their own thing when it comes to podcasting. Do what, like, especially if we're not doing this professionally. Yeah. You have to figure out, like, what works with your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And if, like, and if you've got, like, a dope mic and you've got, like, a great setup and all of your episodes sound the same, why not just record yeah. several before you go and it's, like, slowly roll them out. Yeah. And then every now and then I have like challenging audio and I go, as, as just happens, just does, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to have a predictable life. Yeah. You know, and you, you can be recording do. in like some random, random place. Like I found that, like I found the perfect spot 
in, in my condo that has like the right acoustics uh-huh. and, and the audio is great. And nice. those are like the majority of my episodes now. But then there are some like the one I recorded today that were in the Airbnb and it was slightly uh-huh. echoey. Um, or like I've recorded some, you know, in my office at the university uh-huh. because, you know, the guest is available during the day and that's where I am. So like the audio is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, so like those are just all archived episodes. Yeah. I had I had one from the jungle. Uh, in you Belize, recorded in the jungle. In the jungle, and it is noisy. But I thought it was cool. Uh, that, 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 I mean, that's cool though. You're, you're like, yo, we're in the jungle. Yeah. We're doing a you podcast. Just hear all the bugs chirping away. People would want to hear that though because interest. That's interesting. It's what a site sounds like. Yeah. It's not like. In, like I recorded one with a buddy of mine who's like a calisthenics expert. Yeah. Like we met on an archaeological dig. You know, I was when I met him, I was fifty pounds heavier. I used to be really big. I was fifty pounds heavier, and he was like super skinny. And now he's like shredded. Wow. And lives like a very fit lifestyle. That's his business. And like I lost all that weight because of digging. Yeah. And so we kind of like reminisced about it, but we recorded at the at the gym that he he works at. But we had to sit in the staircase, and so the audio was like all messed up. Oh yeah, but you do what you can. Yeah, yeah, you make do. Yeah, and then you had talked about the the pizza idea. I had one where my brother, who's also a personal trainer, right? We were eating homemade chicken enchiladas oh. while we <laughs> were recording the episode, and I was just like, "This is the only time we have to do this, so we just have to do it." I I, I really want to do like um, one of the things that I'm fascinated by. It's like hunting. Yeah. So I really want to go hunting. And I really want to record a podcast while hunting. That would be cool. Uh, I think that would be really interesting. Or like do like a post hunting. If I if I actually do kill something, you're just like, I killed it. <laughs> you're like sniffling. And yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, super also, there's deer blood all over me. Yeah. So I got like, I, I, I really want to try something outdoors. That would be cool. But I don't have a portable mic yet like you. Like mine, I have to like set up enough with my laptop and yeah. plug it in and ugh. It's tough. This thing has been a lifesaver, though. It makes me a lot more flexible. Yeah, like, I I mean, that's what, like, journalists use. Like, that's, yeah. like, the big one. Like, the Zoom mic, right? That, at least that's what I read. So that that's the next step, like, moving up in equipment. Yeah. And I think, like, podcasting is way more sustainable than, like, video. Like, YouTube. Yeah. So I feel like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be doing podcasting for a while. Yeah. Like, even, even when I'm done being an archaeologist. Definitely. Because there, I mean, there are so many times when... Uh, you can't hear it, but I'm still in my pajamas while I'm podcasting. Oh yeah, no, I've totally done that. I totally all my Skype ones. I've I've been in my pajamas. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're comfortable. You're loose. Yeah. You, you want to. You want. That's the best way to talk yeah, to people I'm just when you're ready. Slugging down coffee. And it's a little bit weird drinks. when you when you do it with people who are <laughs> with yeah. you. Yeah. Like you know you do what you can. Yeah. But you should. I definitely want to do an episode with you for my podcast. Totally. But. I guess we'll, have, we'll do it over Skype one day. Yeah. But now that we have this personal rapport, yeah. it won't be robotic and <laughs> yes. but, but I want to do a podcast with you because I, I want to, I've wanted to do like a, a whole thing out of, out of like, you know, your life after academia. Yeah. And I think you're like the perfect person. Yeah. Because you're, you're kind of at a point in your life where I'm, I'm looked that I'm looking forward to, right? Because you're, you're not in school anymore. No. Um, and you've got a, you've got a career and you've got all these cool little side projects. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. Like I am very much looking forward to the nine to five or, or not taking work home. Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested in doing a podcast on that. 
I think that we should do that. Nice. Well, I won't dip into that on uh, this one then, because I, yeah. I look forward to doing that with you. No, we should, we should definitely do that. I'm going to write that. I'm going to write yeah. that down. Well, I guess that's probably a, a good note to end it on. And also, uh, Michael just brought food home. So yeah, and uh, this is actually like perfect great. timing because I have to go go meet some colleagues. Nice. In in like 20 25 minutes. Perfect. So this is perfect. Nice. How how do you end your how do you end your podcast? I don't really have like a, a set way to end it. So Where where can where can the uh, where can the listeners find you on social media? Oh, this is great. This uh, is what I do so we can share <laughs> techniques. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm I'm learning from Daniel here. Uh, you can find me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at go dig a hole on Facebook. There's a Facebook page. It's just facebook.com forward slash go dig a hole. I also have a blog for expanded content that sometimes doesn't make it into podcasts. And also I try to summarize podcasts as much as I can just to make them available to the hearing impaired. Um, that's just go dig a hole.com. This one's going to be episode 24. Daniel, how about you? Where so, can we find you? So this is what I do. So you can <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Daniel H. Kwan. Uh, you can learn more about me and my academic and non-academic life at DanielHKwan.com. And of course, you can find my podcast, Curiosity and Focus, on iTunes and Stitcher, and of course at CuriosityandFocus.com. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining. Well, thanks for having me. This, yeah. is, this is this was this nice. Was a lot of fun. This is actually the first podcast that I've been on. Really? Yeah. First guest podcast. Thanks for listening to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please consider uh, supporting it on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole. Uh, all of your contributions are incredibly appreciated. And uh, I've already been able to do a lot of amazing things with your support. So thanks again. And please uh, share this with any of your friends, colleagues, classmates, students, teachers, whatever. Uh, you can also find me online. I'm very online. Uh, the blog is godigahole.com. Uh, you can find me on all the social media platforms at godigahole. Yeah.